Hey, thanks for tuning in to Acts 23, a verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. This week, we'll hear a message from Pastor Andy Bowles. If we look at this passage of Scripture holistically, as we pick up at verse 43 and read down to verse 52, we see that if the first part of it is sending out, we see that if we're going to send out and if we're really going to make a difference in the world, then we need to be the kind of church, the kind of Christian, the kind of people who are going to outsend the opposition. We're going to outsend the opposition. Sometimes people will come to me and ask me, how come Alabama is so dominant in football? Yeah. And I'm just like, well, we're just that good, you know? And in reality, it's because the depth of the bench is five-star, 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 four-star. He just squeaked in. Five-star, five-star, five-star. Some of you guys are like, what in the world is he talking about? So high school students are rated on star grades up to five stars, and so the best teams are obviously looking for the highest stars. That's why USM gets one-stars and do what they do through the season, if I'm just being honest. So... So it's because of the depth of the bench. If you've got more than them, if you've got more five stars than them, then obviously you're going to play at a greater level than your opponent or you're supposed to. The church, that's that's kind of what we're doing is is we are making disciples. Those who have received Christ are growing in Christ and we want maturing disciples who are five stars and we want a deep bench of five stars who are able to go out there and overpower and outnumber the enemy. That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? That is the purpose of Acts. If you were to break Acts down into its simplest terms, it is winning the loss to Jesus and growing the saved in Jesus. That's all it is. It is the great commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, fleshed out right here before us. It is literally the Acts of the Apostles. So this is what I want us to do tonight. I want us to look at verses 44 through 52, and we're going to go back and we're going to hash some of that out after we read. I may make a little commentary here and there, but verse 44 says, In the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Picking up where we left off, remember last week, there's Paul and there's Barnabas. He's known as Paul now. Um, The the name change kind of came in that chapter, the first part of that chapter. But remember, there was a guy who was attempting to rob away the faith of a certain person earlier on in that chapter. And Paul rebuked him, and then he preached the good news of the gospel through a history lesson to the Jews that would connect them back to their roots, leading them, hopefully, by faith, to the fruit of the roots of their history, which was all the way back to Abraham and now fulfilled in Jesus And so he's preaching the gospel and amazing things are happening and miraculous things are taking place and people are becoming more aware of that and now they're trying to figure out what what is all this about. And so the very next Sabbath day, they knew that Paul and Barnabas was still in town in Antioch and they wanted to hear more about what was going on. And so it was kind of like one of those those things that (laughs) when I look through the book of Acts and I see that there were times to where there were people who were drawn to the moment, it was, it was almost like after school, 
whenever there was attention given to a specific thing, kind of like you knew there was going to be a fight. Behind the gym, 315. Anybody feel me? Yeah, you remember those, right? Meet me behind the gym at 315 after school, and I'm going to kick your tail. And if somebody heard that, what did they do with that? Oh, they didn't tell anybody. They were like, mm, they shouldn't be doing that. Only the nerds, right? That's right. And so everybody else is telling everybody else, oh, you don't believe Billy Bob going to beat up Tom behind the gym at 315. And so everybody rushes after school. Teachers are like, what in the world's going on? Grabbing books, backpacks, going to lockers. They're rushing back there. And there it is. Everybody wants to see the throwdown happen. Well, there's a lot of throwdown that's happening. It's gathering the attention. Verse 44 says that the, the whole, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, this is where the throwdown happens, right? They were filled with envy. Envy is a horrible thing. And spoke, spake against those things which were spoken by Paul. Remember, we'll know him as Paul, no longer Saul from this point on. Contradicting and blaspheming, trying to tear down what he was building up with the preaching of the gospel. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it off from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Remember, that's the two different groups in a Jew's mind. It's either us or them. It's either Jew or Gentile. It's no in-between. Verse 47, for so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, <laughs> obviously so because now they get the opportunity in a holistic way, in a missional way that they did not have before. They were not recognized as a group of people. They were shunned, they were distanced, they were seen as dirty, they were seen as dogs, they were seen as unwelcome. But now, here Paul the apostle, one of the leading authorities, with one of the greater encouragers that there is Barnabas. They know of this movement, they've heard of these testimonies, they've witnessed their boldness, and now they hear we got a chance. Well, what does it do to you when you feel like you have no chance and then you hear you got a chance? What does it do to you? Woo! What you mean? You excited now. You had no hope. Now you've got hope. You had no chance. Now you got chance. Nobody was on your side. Now somebody's on your side. It is life being breathed into your lungs. It means something. Tomorrow was a misery because of anticipation. And now, tomorrow is a promise because of anticipation. Why? Because they heard that. They were excited. They knew that this was good for them. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord and as many as were ordained unto eternal life believed. Man, that's a powerful statement there. We'll come back to it later. Verse 49, and the word of the Lord was published Throughout all of the region, God is up to something. God is up to something. You need to turn to your neighbor and say, God is up to something. Because <laughs> he is, he always is, he's always been, he is a working God. But the Jews stirred up devout and honorable women 
and the chief men of the city and raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. So when God is up to something and you said it, you know somebody else is up to something. <laughs> Isn't that stupid crazy? Just when, because you, you get this breath of life, you're excited, tomorrow has promise, there's, there's good thing, and then, and then and God is up to something, and, and then there's some fool out there, right? <laughs> there, there, there's some enemy out there. there, there there's one that is going to be against you out there. And, and don't, don't put flesh around that. Because that's our temptation, is to put flesh on our enemies, and we don't have flesh enemies. We have spiritual enemies of power and authority that is against us. That person is not your enemy. That person cannot be your enemy. You know the best way to change an enemy to a friend anyway is to pray for them, right? <laughs> and so... And, and, and so here this, the, the, they, they're stirring up devout and honorable women, the chief men of the city, and they raise up persecution against them. And so what does Paul and Barnabas do? Verse 51, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Ghost. You see the result. Good is, is, is good when good is good, and, and God is good when things ain't good, right? And, and so th this testimony comes out that, that Paul and Barnabas, they have been sent out. The first part of chapter 13, they, they've been praying, they've been fasting, and the Holy Spirit speaks, and he identifies Paul and Barnabas as these missionaries, and they lay hands on them, and they commission them out, and they go out with the gospel, and just because you're going out to do something good, does not mean that you'll always experience good. As a matter of fact, you'll have flat tires. You'll have sick kids. You'll have broken bones. <laughs> so you say, Andy, you're really painting a really good picture of me doing God's will. Well, I would rather be in God's will, the broken bones, than out of God's will, broken bones, because broken bones are gonna happen, right? Flat tire, sick kids, all of that stuff. It's just part of life, and it's going to happen. But Paul and Barnabas, they know this, and they're sent out like Jesus when he sent out the 70 in Matthew chapter 10. says, I send you out like sheep among wolves. He knew there was going to be opposition. They know there's going to be opposition. Last week, in the conclusion of our gathering, we said, it is my pleasure to send you out as missionaries, salt and light in the world. Who had just a hunky-dory week this past week? Who had, a, who had some terrible moments in last week? <laughs> yeah, right? And so here we are. And so does their mission change? No. They just see the need to outsend. <laughs> They've been sent out. Let, let me give you just a couple of statistics to hang your teeth in. According to wikipedia.org, a very reliable resource. <laughs> it's the best I can come up with. It's been a long week. Quit judging me. In 2020... There was the census that said there were 2.6 billion Christians on the planet. Currently, there are, in 2023, 7.888 billion people on the planet. So we got 2.6 billion Christians, 
and there's 7.888 billion people on the planet. That leaves 5.2 billion more of them than us, just to do the math. Paul and Barnabas were doing their part in Antioch, and this was around 47 or 48 AD. By the way, that's 35 years since Acts chapter 1. Sometimes we'll turn a page in the book of Acts, and we'll turn a decade. Remember that, okay? Around AD 200, the established or the estimated world population was around 200 million. So there's a there's a 150 year gap there, but around the time of our main passage, which was around 47 to 48 AD, there was around 15 to 20,000 Christians. So if we were to scale back the 200 million back a little bit because we're moving 150 years ahead of time, we're looking again at a very small percentage of Christians in comparison to the population of the world. Now, I'm just going to speak very plainly to you guys. Will you all allow me to do that? If by a U.S. census three years ago, there is a figure of 2.6 billion Christians on the planet, that includes people who just self-identify as a Christian, meaning that if they were asked, are you spiritual? Do you have a religious affiliation? They're going to check Christianity. It may be because they're not Muslim. It may be because they're not Hindu. It may be because they're not atheist, and there's really no other option for them, and they just simply check a box. I just mentioned earlier to somebody that everything that is in a carport is not a car. Everything that calls itself a Christian is not a Christian, right? And so if we're honest about this figure of 2.6 billion Christians on the planet in 2020, we know that there are some who are probably checking boxes and their heart has not been converted. So that number obviously would dwindle down from the 5.2 billion left or the 7.888 billion on the planet, right? And so... So there's the obvious need for us to send out so that we might outsend. Did you know that the church has preachers and represent, represent, uh, representatives of the gospel? You, as a follower of Jesus, are a representative of the gospel. Wherever you are, you are a missionary. Anytime we have... Um, the idea of membership with Embrace, I always make it a point to say we're not members, but we're missionaries. Other churches may have membership. And this is my thought on this. You can go to Sam's Club and you can get a card and you can become a member and you can buy what you want and leave what you don't like a consumer, but we're not that kind of church. We're not a consumer-driven church. You are a missionary. Everything in that book, you're required to live by. When you fail, there's grace and there's mercy. And then we say, get back up and go again. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We don't take that lightly. We take that very seriously. <laughs> so we are to, to with this truth. Out, how, Andy, how do you outsend the world? Well, one thing is, is we should have more babies. Outpopulate them. <laughs> what are y'all laughing at? I'm being for real. 
And, and, and we're doing a pretty doggone good job of it in Brace having lots more babies, right? You know, we encouraged that. At one point, there, there was a statistic proven that, that uh, there was another religion, Islam, was having eight children to one in the Christian realm. We were being out sent. For some reason today, people think that a child is a burden. A child is not a burden. A child is a blessing, Psalm 127. I say fill the quiver full. But when you do it, make sure you're forming straight arrows. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a quiver is a pack where you put your arrows, you take your arrows out, and you shoot your arrows. You're shooting your arrows toward a mark, and they're supposed to hit the bullseye. Has anybody ever shot a crooked arrow? If you could look down and you say, okay, that arrow's straight, but then you shoot it. Doesn't Worst thing to happen when you're trying to kill a monster buck, right? You totally miss the target, but whenever you train that child in the way they should go, when you raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, when you pour your life into that child instead of your hobby, your job, and all these other things that can get our attention, come on now, right? And we focus on making sure that we're raising up men and women of God. That's, that's one way to, to out-send. You know? Another way to out-send is to reach people with the gospel. We want to share the good news of the gospel and see lost people converted into salvation. Every time you share the gospel, it is one more seed planted into their life to where ultimately there will be a seed to where conviction comes and they have the opportunity to repent and believe. It's another way that we can outsend. Another way in which we can outsend is for us Christians to understand that our time on this planet is very limited. James chapter 4, verse 14. What is your life? It's but a vapor. It appears for a little while and goes. The older I get, the more that is a reality to me. When I was 10 years old, one week was an eternity. Now I'm 47 years old and they go by with a blink. It's like a tale that is told. <laughs> We're told, Jesus says, we are to work while it is day, for the night is coming. The, the, the Bible teaches us that we're to redeem the time, for the days are evil. What I'm saying is, if we're thinking about these three things, and these are, by the way, bonus points. I ain't even got to my points yet. Let's have more babies than they do. Woo, glory. Number two, let's win the loss to Jesus. Number three, Christians, get off your butt and get to work, right? And that's what we're talking about. And that's the simple things that, that go from Genesis to Revelation, obviously for us, all of them commanded to us. But if we were just to take strictly this passage, keep within the perimeter of this passage, see that what did the New Testament, the Christian, do to flip the script and outsend the world. Well, the first thing they did is they, they got bold. They got bold. Let, let me ask you this question. Do, do, you have a, do you have trouble with boldness? Now, I'm not talking about a personality to where you're more introverted, you're soft-spoken. Listen, some of the most bold people I've ever met have been introverted and soft-spoken. Sometimes we equate boldness with being loud. Sometimes we equate boldness with being obnoxious. That's not what boldness is. 
boldness is confident assurance because you are propelled by more than fact, truth that is the foundation for you that is setting you free and everybody else you share it with. Boldness. I like what happens here. Go back to verse 44. It says, and the next Sabbath day, they knew they were going to be there. They weren't afraid. They weren't timid. Came all the seated together to hear the word of God. They knew they were going to do that. And when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy. This is your options. Envy or boldness. They spoke against the things which were spoken by Paul. You got boldness or you got slander. Contradicting. You can be contradicting or you can be bold. Blaspheming or you can be bold. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas, I love the way this is put. Some of you guys may say, Andy, I just can't read the King James Version of the Bible. I ain't hating on nobody. You know, read the translation you feel moved by and feel like the Holy Spirit speaking to you through. But man, I just like this old language. Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. It has the idea that they were in one form in one moment. And because of heat, <laughs> oh man, woo, you better get this. Because of some heat, the, mac, the, the wax melted and turned into another form. <laughs> What's they're in one form. Now, it's, it's not weakness, the first form, by the way, but, but I can only imagine the boldness that they now experience. There was heat through persecution and through judgment and through the Jews just doing the Jews thing that, that was against Christianity, and it was a heat to Paul and Barnabas. But instead of allowing it to let them melt and, be, and not be formed, it melted and then it reformed a change. Makeup. Paul and Barnabas, they waxed bold and said, it's necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken unto you. Speaking of Jews, you had your chance. Does that mean that Jews before that didn't give their life to Christ and was saved? Of course not. We've got two guys right here who are preaching. It's Paul and Barnabas. They're Jews. But he says that it first be spoken to you because the gospel came first to the Jew. But seeing you put it all from you, you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. You see, what happened was the Jews were so hung up on the law that they couldn't see grace. You and I know people like that every single day. People who are more worried about the to-do list than the relationship. More people who would swallow a camel and choke to death on a gnat, Jesus said. People who, who are assuming that it's some form of the law plus Jesus equals salvation. Most of the letters Paul writes, by the way, he is refuting that erroneous heretical doctrine. See, that's not true. It's not this plus Jesus equals salvation because what you're literally doing when you say this plus Jesus equals salvation is that somebody gave you a Rolex watch that was worth $10,000 and you in response to that gave them a dime and said, thank you so much, let me help you pay for it. You can't keep the law thinking you're adding to your salvation. It's Christ alone, grace alone, or it's nothing at all. That's the only way. That's the only way. The Jews wanted it both ways. They couldn't get away from that. They had this 
innate thing inside of every human being that says, I need to do my part. You don't do your part to get saved, but after you get saved, then you can serve all you want. And it's not serving for salvation, it's serving because of salvation. And so why was Paul and Barnabas able to get bold there? Because they done lived that life. They done, they done lived it. They got the t-shirt. They know what it's about. Paul says, look in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I will show you all my credentials. And do you know what I think about them on this side of my salvation in my relationship with Jesus? It looks like a pile of mess, manure. That's what he said, pile of dung. Again, I love King James Version of the Bible. So how do we, how do we outsend as Christians in the church, flip the script to the world as we get bold? Andy, how can, I, how can I get bold? I'm very timid. I'm very fearful. I want to be more bold with my faith. I want to be more, more bold with my witness. I want to be more bold with my action. This is one verse out of thousands in the Scripture. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. God says to Joshua, do you know Joshua, he was a little bit timid, <laughs> he's a little bit afraid. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, be, don't, be not afraid, neither be, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Reminds me of the story of that little boy who kept getting bullied at school and kept getting bullied at school and kept getting bullied at school. He was covering up from his dad, he didn't want his dad to see him getting bullied at school. Until one day, he couldn't cover it up any longer. His dad began to notice. His dad began to take, he's, he don't want to go to school. He's trying to leave school empty. He always has a stomach issue. He don't want to stay at school, and he traces it back. And then one day, the little boy is confronted again by his bully, and his bully is standing there. The little boy is about to get pummeled again, and then all of a sudden, out from the corner steps dad. <laughs> The bully sees dad. His eyes get big. He begins to look in fear and take steps back. And the little boy's wondering what in the world's happening. And all of a sudden, he looks up and sees dad. And then he starts making his way and flinching at the bully. <laughs> right? You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be timid. You've got one who is with you. And when you lack courage, he's got enough to make up for it. So get bold. If we're going to outsend them, we got to get bold. we got to get grounded. Grounded in what? Grounded in the Word. Colossians 2.7 says that we are to be rooted in the Word of God. To be grounded. This is what he says in verse 47 through 49. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, Why am I here doing what I'm doing? Because God said to do it. A lot of times in church planting, when we go train church planters all over the state of Mississippi, we make sure that as we do assessments with these men, that they understand their calling because we know that ministry is difficult, life is difficult, but church planting is difficulty on steroids, okay? And we know that if they don't have a solid calling, when things get heated up, you just quit and move on. Pack up your toys and leave. You mean to tell you what keeps you where you're at? A calling. When you know that God said, you do this. You can't do nothing else. This is what you do. This is what you're called to do. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. You've got to give yourself to it. 
He says, they've been sent as a light unto the Gentiles. They should us be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Verse 48 and 49, basically the same things. You see, they had to get their footing. And this is another place in which Paul and Barnabas gained their footing because they knew that God had spoken it. God's word is more reliable than anything we have on this planet. Now, listen to what I said. God's written word is more reliable than anything we have on this planet. Why? Psalm 119, there's a verse in Psalm 119. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled where there is perfection, there is no error, where there is the awaiting of the gathering of all the children of God one day. <laughs> yeah. Thy word is settled in heaven, and what is settled in heaven cannot be annulled on this earth. So we can get bold, and we can get grounded, and we can get determined. This is a part that that'll kind of freak you out a little bit if you're not careful. Verse 51. Notice what happens after they get all mad and they stir everybody up and everybody's out there shouting, no opinion overload. This is what Paul and Barnabas do. I didn't realize it was that dusty. And they head the other way. Why? Well, I mean, it's a lesson in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. Jesus told his disciples, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or that city, shake the dust off of your feet. How many of you guys say that sounds mighty cruel to do that? There's so many other things. You know, Jesus talks about not casting pearl, something of great value, before swine, those who do not appreciate the value. And the gospel is a pearl. The gospel is a treasure that is found. Does that mean, Andy, that there's certain people that we just need to give up on? If Jesus uses this as an illustration, and I think he's using it as an illustration, Paul and Barnabas physically do this, as a representation of obedience to Christ. And that's what we're getting determined of, is being obedient to Christ no matter the cost. This is one thing I do know. When they shook the dust off their feet, there would eventually be dust on somebody else's feet. Just because I've got to shake the dust off of my feet doesn't mean that there's not another missionary coming through that'll own that dust that came off of my feet. Just because, let me put it this way, just because I can't reach them doesn't mean you can't reach them. Just because you can't reach them doesn't mean I can't reach them. You see what I'm saying? And so getting determined means being obedient, even if it means I'm no longer going to enable that person with how they are abusing this relationship. I get determined. Let me tell you, your success is not, is not defined by the statistics on your improvement or your effectiveness as the world sees it. Your success is dependent on your obedience to Christ. You see, our, our determination will do three things. It'll keep our focus, it'll filter our efforts, and it will finish the job. What did the New Testament Church and Christians do to flip the script. <laughs> they got bold. Are you getting bold? Got grounded. Are you getting grounded in the word? Get determined. Are you determined to be obedient to the word no matter the cost? Get filled up. 
That's the last thought. <laughs> Get filled up. Verse 52, notice what happens. Out of all the emotional reactions, or just reactions, period, that they could have experienced here, this is what they experienced. And the disciples were filled with depression because people were mean to them and they talked bad to them. They hurt their feelings. No, 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 it's not what it says. The, the, the disciples quenched the Holy Spirit because they got mad at God because God told them to do something and people were mean to them. No, 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 no. no. You see, their response was, and the disciples were filled with the joy and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What do you want in the beginning of your day, throughout your day, at the end of the day? Ah, man, I want to I be full with joy. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. How am I going to outsend the world? Not by looking like somebody who's been sucking on a persimmon all day, number one. Don't nobody like that look anyway, right? Not somebody who is walking in my own will, in my own flesh, in my own manner, filled with a bunch of Andy. A bunch of Andy ain't going to help nobody. But filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how I'm going to outsend. That's how they outsend. See, the truth is, we will all feel, we will all live filled with one thing or the other. We'll be filled with us, or we'll be filled with him. This is what I want you to do. Get ready to close this out. I want you to take your, your map. I want you to look at the places that you marked. Home, hobbies, sports, schools, work, where you get your groceries at where you eat at in your restaurants, you see all that. All right, does it look like we're out sent right now? Where are you going to send out so that your world will be so out sent that it'll be, and I'm jumping ahead of script here, turned upside down. In just a few chapters ahead, we're gonna learn to where that was the testimony. The disciples were in the house of Jason they were preaching the gospel. People were getting radically converted. And the testimony, the only one they could get against them, the world, the only one the world could get against them was they're turning the world upside down. What do you got to do to outsend? Maybe it's y'all need to have some more babies. Some, way, some of y'all are way too old. right? And by the way, there is a process for this. Let me throw this out there real quick because I want to make sure I cover this. Meet somebody who loves Jesus, get a job, take them on a date, ask them to marry you, there you go, and then have some kids, there you go, right? After you get married, get married, and then have some kids, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's for you Christians just to get off your rear end, quit making excuses, Maybe it's to understand that you are an earthen vessel with a treasure that is beyond your imagination and you need to tell somebody about that. Get bold. <laughs> yeah, be, be, be full of courage because Christ is the one who is courageous through you. Get determined, right? Get filled up. I believe God's calling us to that tonight. If you would bow your heads with me for just a moment. <laughs> What is it right now that you need to hear from God about that? 
what is it that God tonight is asking you to give up, to sacrifice for that? Don't forget every time you hear the, Bi- hear the Bible preached, taught, read, anytime you're in a moment to where the Holy Spirit is gathering with his Christians, there is truth song, there is truth preached, there is revelation that is experienced, but if, it, if worship is going to be complete, then there is sacrifice given. What are you going to sacrifice tonight so that you might outsend the world in your world? Father, I trust you. I'm asking you to speak to us. Receive from, the, from us the sacrifices you both desire and are worthy of and be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.